So here we are with another uh, podcast for the Orange County Ad Club, and I want to uh, introduce a great friend, a very smart person, Kristen Simmons. Great to be here. Who is the Chief Innovation Officer for Experian. So Kristen, I have known you for a fair amount of time. We're we live close by. Uh, you come from back east, you worked on Fruit Loom, and then you worked on uh, at Ford. And with Ford, you've worked with some women uh, that I've met that are incredibly smart. I would, Chris, there's you, Kristen Simmons, Andrea Mimenez, Michelle Van Slyke, and Bellic, Nicole Conniff. I mean, you know, superstars in the marketing area. And you just named my girls weekend when we do that once a year, by the way. So and Malibu. that's excellent. And <laughs> so I remember you though, you worked at Ford, then you worked at Mazda when you were the ad manager, when you did the Zoom Zoom campaign, put Mazda on the map, and then you worked at Gateway. I met you uh, again when you were, it was kind of a really unusual hire, you know, Chief Marketing Officer for uh, Y&R with Rick Eisenman, and, you know, I remember that, and then when I did the Jenny Craig review, you know, you led that up, you won the business, and, and then you were CMO for Experian, but, you know, you fill in some pieces, uh, uh, tell me a little you know, if, anything I missed there? Well, that's great. I should bring you with me everywhere. That was, uh, it sounds... If it's warm, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it was funny when we had the opportunity to work together, um, you know, pitching that business, uh, that Jenny Craig business at YNR. Um, I have to say, a plug for you, you were an awesome uh, consultant on that business, search consultant, because really, I, I had been through a number of pitches at YNR. And the process can be really ridiculous, I think, for both um, client and agency. And I'm not sure, you know, having spent that time on the agency side, it was interesting to see what clients tend to put their agencies through. Maybe, maybe they don't realize uh, what it is, but I thought you did a great job of keeping the focus on the things that mattered and not a lot of extraneous workload, which I have to give you my personal thanks for that years later. <laughs> I, I, I thank you for that. I have had those 80-page documents on Friday night at 8 o'clock going, what does it matter what kind of insurance we have? You know. And is somebody so really reading these things that we toiled over? Oh, yeah. it was painful. So, Krista, uh, tell me a little bit about your new role with Experian. Absolutely. So, you know, I kind of made a move from, I was CMO over the consumer business, which I'd say was more in line with my other types of consumer and marketing roles, um, but really moved over into the Experian Health business because it's a B2B business, like most of Experian's businesses, um, but it really had an opportunity to be infused with a consumer mindset. Um, and I think that's what um, members of both the health business unit and the consumer business unit saw as an opportunity is, let's bring this consumer perspective over to health and as we help our, our providers, these large health systems who are our clients, um, with the workflow software we provide, um, we're getting more and more into um, patient-facing software, um, patient-facing applications. And so let's bring that consumer perspective over to try and help solve not only client, but consumer problems. 
within our healthcare group. So, um, so that was the real need, and it was driven by, I, I'd say, a consumer perspective first. Yeah. Um, but the need was really to say, how do we innovate our products around the consumer? And then the process for innovation um, turned out to be um, a, really an opportunity, I would say, for that business unit. And so um, it's turned out that we've adopted that innovation process across all of our product development, not just for this consumer purpose. So that's much broader than a marketing role, or is it? Well, now that's that was really the million dollar question there because you know you ask someone what marketing is, and there'll be so many answers. And I know there's lots of studies done on you know what do CMOs do, and it's so different at different companies. And you know I I think of marketing as probably customer experience more than anything else, and really just knowing the customer and doing the right thing for the customer. And I feel like that goes back to the old, old, old days of when marketing probably started. But somewhere along the line, um, it feels like we've diverged from that. And I think especially as we have more and more um, tech companies and more and more technology in our companies, you've seen kind of a splintering. And I think it, it varies a lot in different companies, but I think in a lot of technology companies, um, the, the product and the technology are close together. Like let's say uh, experience um, consumer services division. You know, everything that we sell is some kind of digital experience ultimately. And um, you know, back in the days of Mazda, the engineers were building cars. So if there was an app or a website to be built, marketing did that, right? In the days of um, digital experiences, there's a real, there needs to be a real blend between what marketing's doing and what product's doing and what technology's doing. And I think as a result, sometimes marketing gets saddled as a, more of just an acquisition vehicle, which I think is, is quite narrow. So to me, moving over into this innovation that says, what do our customers really care about? What is really important to them? And how do we go deliver against that? To me, it comes back to the ultimate foundation of marketing. So I guess it depends on who you ask. It seems like a stretch or it seems like returning to its roots, but I tend to think more of the latter. What about um, technology? You touched on that. I find, and you know, I think I've got pretty good online game, but I can hardly keep up with it. You know, there's so many automation tools, marketing automation, there's the buzz of the week or the buzz of the year, mm -hmm. and social media platforms, and, and automated marketing platforms, and then traditional advertising, and then public relations, and then blogging, and podcasts. Yeah. How do you keep up with it? Well, I don't put myself at the top, you know, in the top 1% of people that keep up with that, to, to, to be totally honest. I think there's so much to keep up with. If I contrast what my perspective was, for example, in a consumer business, you know, so in experienced consumer business, we deal with millions and millions of consumers, and we were looking at ways to automate um, content delivery and help get, you know, if you're a consumer and you come to us for a certain need, what's the best piece? We have reams and reams of helpful content. How do we get the best thing in front of you that is meaningful to you? That's something that we feel like AI could probably help with, but then now I've moved over to a B2B business where those types of solutions aren't even relevant. And so I guess to me, the most important thing is what is the problem that you're trying to solve or what is the experience that you're trying to create? And as you go about solving that problem, mm -hmm. then you know, kind of research the, um, the technologies that are the most germane. But I think if you don't approach it with somewhat of a focus or somewhat of a brief you know, in the advertising world, um, then you'll just get lost in what's the, the newest and greatest thing. Yeah. And I see companies say, well, how do I use AI or how do I use this? And it feels sometimes like a solution, I think, in search of a problem. Sure. And instead of, well, what are, are we doing the core foundational things right? Do you have a mobile optimized website? Do you have, you know, but you see sometimes people trying to leapfrog to whatever the, 
latest and greatest buzzword is. And I think that's actually a bit a bit dangerous. And do you surround you do you try to learn it all, or do you surround yourself with all these knowledge sources and then append them to you? I think you know the answer to that question for me. I definitely try to surround myself with a people who are smarter than I am, and That's b key, people it? who is totally key. Yeah. Um, you I, know, I remember when I was a puppy working in Toronto, and we only worked on package goods. This division of uh, JWT often had conflicts. You know, anyway, really tough kind of heavy lifting package goods. And the guy that ran it, Stan McNair, went up to him and said, you know so much about package goods. And he said, I know shit about package goods. I just surround myself with people that know a lot about it. And it's amazing just uh, having that good, you know, the strength of good people. And there so, are people who are so naturally interested in technology that they are going to be the early adopters. They have just an intense curiosity about that. So to put somebody like that on the sure. case when you're looking for a technology solution is is great, right? But I think marketers also just need to be dot connectors. You talk about connecting the dots, yeah. right? And and connecting yeah. the dots with people and with networking and with solutions and um, really seeing something over here that might apply over there and. Um, oh, this person or this expertise or this capability, you know, could really help over here. And so I think it's important to kind of keep that holistic perspective. And so I'm probably a little bit more of a generalist and really do try to surround myself with people who are experts. So what's career success for you? You know, and I, I, you know, we talk about that, you know, you've worked and you've obviously had some great milestones, great accomplishments, you know, you're a high achiever, you know, but then you have your personal life, you know, your family. So what's career success? Is it, hey, when you're driving in on, you know, that you don't, on Sunday night, you don't go, dread going into work? Or is it, hey, do new innovation things? So tell me, what's career success for Kristen Simmons? Great, great. So you're starting to touch on work-life balance, which is, a, which is another issue too. But if I look at, at career success, I think, um, you know, over time, we, um, you know, we're not the youngest people in the room here, and, um, you know, we get, <laughs> we're Young definitely people, not the youngest people in the room. People, people 20s, <laughs> exactly. there's people in their 20s out there. Crazy, crazy. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that, that does um, come with age, uh, at least did for me, is just more of a comfort level with, you know, who you are and what's really important to you. And, you know, some of the things that are career success for me is, yeah, I mean, I do want to get up and, and enjoy going to work. I don't want to dread on Sunday nights, and I don't. Um, I want to love the people who I work with, um, and, and that'll get into the, the career um, sort of uh, work-life balance, I think, because if you love the people you work with and they can tend to enter your social life or your workout life or, or you know, a, a bit more, but, um, but yeah, I want to love the people that I work with. Um, I think giving back is important in a lot of different ways. I, I really want to have a sense of purpose in the work that I do, not in terms of only my, my own or my team's impact, but the impact that the company or the division or you know what we're all about is is doing and i think that's um a really important thing to me i mean we're, we're trying to solve my current job the the big we actually went out and surveyed consumers for the biggest problems in healthcare, and um, obviously there can be dire clinical problems that are working on to sure. be solved but the most prevalent for every single person who interacts with the healthcare system are actually all around their finances and not understanding their insurance and what they have to pay or their ability to pay. You can go bankrupt because you had an unexpected Absolutely. health concern and that is just not right. No, um, no it was a Canadian age. Yeah. <laughs> flabbergast me, right? you know what I mean? I grew up with this. Anyway, so it's that sense of purpose? 
And so I think the sense of purpose is really is really important. The sense of purpose to the work we're doing, the sense of purpose to what you know you as an individual are bringing to it. For me, that that impact, and and then the ability to you know help other people with their careers and development. And I definitely believe in you know kind of bringing your whole self to work. And so we we have a lot of fun while we're working too. Great. So you've worked on the client and agency side. Mm -hmm. How are they different, similar? Give me your perspective. You know, I know you know, oh, I more like wine, more be... wine on the agency side. You know, but more wackos. But yeah, <laughs> tell, me, tell me a little bit. Uh, well, there's wackos everywhere, yeah. um, and and wackos are good. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, well, first of all. Um, I don't know if you know this uh, about me, but going way, way back in time, you know, I grew up with this just insane curiosity around advertising, like since I was in kindergarten. And my parents would tell me that um, literally there'd be a TV show on. And first of all, I love to draw and love to do art. And I think that's how I first got interested in advertising because I was kind of told that's what you do if you can draw as you go into advertising. Sure. These days, of course, that's not necessarily so relevant, but, but back then it was a little more so. And I would be sitting there with my easel drawing and every, the rest of the family is watching some TV show and I'd be oblivious and then all of a sudden a commercial would come on and I would stop and I would watch the commercial intently. And then when it was over, I would turn to my parents and say, do you really think that's selling that thing, you know? And you apparently I would ask this after every commercial How old and it was were pretty you? young. I mean, <laughs> I don't honestly remember doing it, but it's it's just too weird to make up, but but yeah, and so I, I just have this, all this perverse interest in like, you know, is is that advertising working? Is that really selling stuff? Is that really changing people's opinions and um, and I think it relates to kind of the psychology of people, right? And which is still my, my interest in every way and at work. But, um, but so I had that interest in, in advertising and actually pounded the pavement. When I was at UVA, this is of course before cell phones and, and email and all this. And I had my resume and I was determined that I was going to work in Atlanta. By the way, I didn't end up doing that. I ended up going to Fruit of the Loom instead. Yes. Um, but I went down Bowling to Atlanta. Green. Yeah, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, I don't recommend that right out of um, undergrad. It's, it's not the most happening scene. I gotta tell you. But uh, literally, I took my spring break of my senior year and while everybody else went and partied wherever they partied. I, um, you know, donned my, my suit and had my resumes in hand and literally went and pounded the pavement down in Atlanta. Ended up landing myself a job with J. Walter Thompson. That really? Week. Yes, I did. I interviewed um, with that office. Really? That office. They had the Marine Corps. They had, uh, oh, what else did they have? Uh, uh, the uh, exterminator company. Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah. I just remember knocking on doors and you know just looking for anything. And um, so somehow they needed some young sprightly account person and, and offered me a job pretty much on the spot for wow. seventeen thousand dollars. Wow, you made more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I um, I then was interviewing with the school. You know, yeah. none of the agencies came to the school. Ended up getting. Um, this job offer, I got a job offer from Coke in San Francisco, who doesn't do that, right? But yeah. it was a sales job and I was a purist, I really wanted marketing and advertising. And I got this job offer from um, Fruit of the Loom and that was making 25 grand. Mm. Now, so I go to my mentor, my advertising mentor, I've been, I'd been interning every summer through, through college and said, you know, dude, what do I do, right? You know, really want advertising, but you know, really want to make 50% more, which um, as, as little as that was, and he said, you know, go to client side. You'll um, you'll experience it. It'll it'll make you wiser to have that perspective. And when you go back to the agency side, it will be, you know, you'll be more relevant. So I went to the client side and got over there. And you know, after having spent some summers in advertising, I got over and thought, 
ooh, I really like making the decisions. This is kind of cool, you know? And so I, um, you know, I really stuck on the, the client side for a while. And then my experience with Y&R was, was interesting in that I was really CMO for the agency, which is really, of course, new business uh, right. development. But it, it enabled me to think of the agency like I would think as a client at, at a client side. So I think I am inherently more of a, of a business person and a client side person. Um, I mean, I like to think of myself as creative, but I'm not as talented in that in that sure. vein as uh, most of the people that I know at advertising agencies. But at, in that in that agency role, I was thinking strategically about our own business and how to grow it and how to land new business and implement processes. So it wasn't just about the creative work, but some of those other sort of growth opportunities. So I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and you had some success, I think, a lot with Ginny Craig, and there are a couple other big wins that you had. We actually there, right? got nine new business wins in the first nine months, so that was that was a really fun in time. a very tough market. Brought yeah. in Double Tree Hotels and oh, um, uh, Southwest. Southwest came on around that time uh, yeah. on the CRM side on, on uh, with Wonderman. So so it was a good time. This, since this is the Ad Club, let's talk, and uh, you, you and I have been involved in new business. Let's talk about agencies. Do you think all agencies are the same? I think we know all agencies are very much not the same. Okay. Well, how do you find that, they're di that they differ? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, To be totally honest, I don't feel as, that I'm as close to some of that today. Um, but I think agencies have really struggled. I don't know. Have you have you read Mike, Mike Farmer's book, uh, Madison Avenue Manslaughter? I, I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, and that's a great book that I, I think does a nice job of chronicling some, chronicling some of the challenges that, that we've had um, over the years. But I think it, it started as a real strategic partnership, and then we went through all those compensation changes, right, where we shifted from paying agencies as a percentage of media to paying a fee. And once we made that shift, nobody really knew what that fee should be. So then there's all this pressure from clients and purchasing departments and I think in the early days of that the clients were probably overpaying but by the time it was all said and done the agencies were probably underpaid and then putting more and more junior people on it and not as much strategy and turning into more production houses and then it's kind of like well at that point we, I could go get that somewhere else, right? So it just, I think there was a, a, a losing of its way, um, not just among the agencies, but among the partnership. Yes. And then of course, during the same time, you've got all these digital agencies that are right. coming up. It's very tough. I think the business is extremely tough extremely now. Extremely difficult. You know, just making a, you know, clients think sometimes, oh, making a change to a website is just like a print ad. It takes a second and it doesn't, you know, it's very complex and, you know, uh, and it's just the fact that a high percentage of project work, yeah, and you're trying to sustain this payroll monster that gets paid every two weeks, and this, and you know, the projects, I, I think it's very, very challenging. So you know, as you're obviously, uh, you know, big company, you know, uh, you know, uh, and you know, so in a new business area, a lot of people must want your business. So let's talk a little bit about that. How many solicitations do you get in a month or a week? What do you get? You know, what do people send you? Well, it's interesting because, you know, having moved over to health, I don't, uh, I still get more solicitations about the consumer business, but, um, you know, I've counted on a couple of occasions and I get about 100 emails a day. 100 emails? A day that are solicitations. <laughs> and to, you know, we had Martin Borsati on from Jacuzzi, and mm -hmm. he says he doesn't even at, answer his phone at the office. The message is send me an email because he says 100% of solicitation. 
So. I don't answer my work phone either. You know, I have my cell phone, so if somebody calls that, you know, they have it. But yeah, I don't. I don't even. So this is anything breakthrough. Is if somebody sends you a box or an email, or you know, skywriting or what, whatever it may be. Does anything break through the clutter and get your attention? I think occasionally some of the packages do. Um, someone sent. Oh gosh, it was a couple of years ago, but sent almost like a sent an Amazon Echo and said like, "Hey, you can, you know, we've got a voice skill that works with our our product." And um, it didn't pertain to my immediate need, but I thought it was so clever and relevant that I passed it along to someone else, um, not inside our company. But and I, I can't I can't even remember the company that sent that, but I thought that was pretty clever. But I think um, you know, believe it or not, I skim those hundred emails right because they're interspersed with all this other stuff. And so I think subject lines are extraordinarily important, just like they are with consumer marketing, sure. right? Just for us as marketers. Um, and believe it or not, I have I have done business off of a of a cold call email, but most of them are most of them are horrible. Um, I'll, I'll be interested. You know, you asked earlier, how mm -hmm. do you keep in touch with technology? How do you keep in touch with things that are going on? Sometimes that'll be the thing, right? Somebody is sending something, and it's got that that subject matter that's addressing a pain point that I have or, or a concern right. that I have or a nervousness that I have that I'm not up to speed on something important, right? Yeah. And I'll click in and I might sign up for a webinar or I might just agree to a 15 minute conversation just because I want to hear what that thing is about. Um, but I would say, you know, out of 100 emails I get, I probably only open maybe a couple a day yeah. and probably only respond to one or two in every, two or three weeks or something like that. So yeah. not many, you know, yeah. not many. How many result in live meetings? You know, oh gosh, that's a great question. Well, these days everybody's from all over, so I feel like everything starts with a phone call. Oh, so sure. I would say, I wouldn't even agree to a live meeting before a phone call. It's just too, too yeah. time intensive. Right, yeah. You know, and it's funny, people ask me a lot about new business and how do you get new business. And I think you touched on it. It's the intersection of a pain point which you don't know, you can't buy a database of client pain right. points, right? Yeah. But you have to have a relationship. So when they get that pain point or you come into their life, you know, and you've established that relationship, that's the aha click moment, you know? And I think it's particularly tough for agencies because a lot of the solicitations I get aren't just from agencies, right? They're from different technology platforms or, sure. or other kinds of solutions. Um, but I think it's particularly hard for agencies because, you know, we're notoriously bad at, at marketing ourselves, right? How, how is one agency different from the next? And is that differentiating point relevant to the client's pain point, right? Yeah. That's really, really tough. So I think having kind of a thought leadership platform where you're able to reach out about certain things and engage on a level that might just be helping a client instead yes. of selling your, yes. your agency is super, super important. You know what, I, somebody called me because I blog a lot and I said, you know, what's the secret in your business? And I asked him, you know, how do you how do you position yourself? And he says, well, we want, we go after brands that have lost their buzz, basically. They were bigger before, but they lost their way. And I said, well, out of 100 solicitations, how many responses do you get? And he says, oh, about 15%. I said, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. He says, but you know what we do? We research the client's business. Yeah. So they're not talking about the agency, they're talking about the client's Absolutely. business. And, and it's like any other pitch. As soon as you start talking about the client's business, every client listens, you know? The logo chart is all the same. Hey, we've all worked at big agencies, yep. but it's about the client's business.
It's a great point, and I think um, to that point, probably the thing that drives me crazier than anything else is the email that basically says, hey, I'm the new rep for blah, 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 and I'd like to you know, get 30 minutes of your time to get caught up to speed on your business. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Sure. Yeah, that's, so that's I, I, the worst case scenario. I've got enough time. I've got lots but, of time. Yeah, my job is to get all you people up to speed on my business, right? Um, so I think you're exactly right, is going out there and taking that initiative. And if you're an agency... Um, or, or other supplier who has access to data. Um, if you do whatever, social media monitoring, and you can, you know, it's pretty easy for you to put together some kind of analysis that uncovers some kind of interesting thing. No. You know, I'll, I'll always respond to those. Yeah, I want a free analysis. Um, sure. you know, if I get that far in the email, but usually that'd be in the subject line, right? But if you have something like that, you know, to give away that's of value, I think that's a great entry point. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about your personal life. You have a couple of children, you know. Yeah. I know you, you know, you've got your girl, you know, your friends and all that. How do you, uh, you know, how do you balance it all? And what's tell me a little bit before you balance mm -hmm. it. You know, what do you do? You play drums, sing, do you do anything, surf? Oh my gosh! Well, it's funny. I I have still draw. What's that? You still draw? You know, well, it's it's funny. I actually spent um, I actually spent this past week um, with some exacto knives, and it reminded me of my early agency days. But um, you know, I have a lot of different interests. I think we all have those interests that we've grown up with that we would love to pursue but don't have time to. I love to take an art class now. To be honest, I don't have the time. But I, I look for intersections of my passions with my kids' passions. <laughs> and um, in this past couple weeks, my, um, my daughter has been um, working on some art projects at home and it was just a great opportunity. I thought, well, let's just go to Michael's and get everything, get the canvases, the oil pastels, the acrylics, everything we want and, and bring them all in. And we turned our dining room into kind of an art room, uh, which is a little dangerous potentially. But, um, and for a few weeks, you know, we were kind of working on things together, which was super fun. I mean, I think we're all just so busy in our, in our work lives that um, for me, I, I, I try to blend as many of my passions into friends and, and family as, as I can. Uh, and for that matter, I mentioned earlier, like the work friendships. I mean, I drive a little farther to go to my, um, to go to uh, a workout studio that's a little further away to be able to work out with a couple of friends who I actually work with, but who I just enjoy their company. And then we have a chance to catch up afterwards, right? Um, sure. You know, I think taking on, you know, some of my kids' passions. So my, my youngest is, is a drummer, actually, and we have a music room at home, and we joke about the family band. I've, I've been known to play bass on a couple oh, really? of songs. Same. I'm completely Same. musically inept, super yeah. musically inept. My husband will be like, it's just two chords. How can you mess it up, right? But, Favorite concert? What's that? Favorite concert? Favorite concert? Yeah. Do you know the story? No. There's, oh, well, I have to say. I, I, I see sometimes, you know, like uh, English Beat was playing somewhere, or, you know, anyway. I actually saw English Beat was, was playing at my alma mater at our reunion not long ago. But you know what? I'm I, I probably the only person that would say that their favorite concert is a concert that they never went to. Um, I've been to a lot of Weezer concerts, but my, my favorite concert is a concert that I, I wasn't at because I was. Um, staying at home nursing our, our two-week-old baby, who's now the drummer. Um, wow. But my husband went to a Weezer concert and got pulled up on stage and played guitar with Weezer. So um, so I've relived that moment many times, even though I was only vicariously living it. So somehow I feel like that's my favorite concert. Oh, great. Well, let's end on that high note. You know, thank you very much. It's uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always, always a thank, pleasure. Always, thank. Okay.